A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Do you know whether your house has mold in it or not? Do you know, according to sleep research, that if we have household molds, that actually relate to increased insomnia, snoring, and excessive daytime sleepiness? There's other studies also studied thousands of adults find out when they have mold odors at home, they actually report higher rates of sleep disturbance. So mold actually is One factor of our sleep environment. How do we understand that more? What we can do to check whether we are impacted by it? Today, we have a mold expert, Michael, to share his expertise about mold with us. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. I'm your host Ishan. Let's welcome Michael. Hi, Michael. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hi, Dr. Xu. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because you are the first expert about mood on our, my podcast. So that's going to be a very interesting、uh, topic. So first, how about you introduce yourself to our audience? What you do and how you get in, into the field of mood? Yeah, and it's not the first time I've heard that. You know, it's amazing how. Little as a society, we know about mold.、Uh, I actually have been around construction, homes, buildings,、uh, restoration, and mold my entire life. Since I'm about five years old, my dad has been a contractor. Getting to see how homes are built,、uh, how they're maintained, and unfortunately, how water can impact homes and create things like mold、uh, has really、uh, made a, a major difference in my life. After college, I went to work for my dad, and I started really seeing things on a larger scale. And、uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you've、uh, witnessed a water damage building before, right? And、um, a lot of people think that mold takes a really long time to grow. But what's crazy is mold can grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours. So after seeing,、um, and I was I'm from the Northeast,、uh, New Jersey particularly. So I we had this major storm called Hurricane Sandy. Or Superstorm Sandy、uh, many years ago, and having that type of impact on that you know geographical location, we've seen so many homes and buildings get damaged through water and mold to、uh, grow as a result. And that's when I really started to see people getting sick from mold. And that's when I really started saying, "Hey, look, I need to I need to really prioritize on figuring out the scientific and the medical approach to doing remediation and improving people's lives." Uh, through air quality, and so that's kind of how I got into it. So, sounds like mold can exist in our life, in our house, without us being aware of it, and it can、yes. uh, generate be generated very quickly. So, how how mold may in impact our health in general? What have you found over the years? So I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you based on experience, a lot of my clients have complained about brain fog, and then chronic fatigue being the two most recognizable symptoms. 
Um, other than that, you know, allergy like symptoms, or, you know, when you're about to get a cold, you start to feel like, oh, I'm about to get this cold. You have a runny nose, you're kind of sniffling. Well, a lot of people will say that when they're experiencing mold, they have that feeling, but it never goes away. So they just perpetually feel like they're about to get a cold. Uh, other things can be like skin rashes, um, anxiety, mood swings, things like that. So, and, and you know, it's crazy. It sounds like so many other diagnoses out there that it really is hard to pinpoint. So I always tell people, you know, if you think it could be mold based upon some of these symptoms, you should definitely get your air quality checked and check it out. Wow, exactly. Because I'm thinking when you talk about that, I start thinking how much the overlap could be among the diagnosed. Yeah. Like we possibly never going to suspect something wrong with our home environment. And think about how long we stay in the house, especially during the pandemic, right? Last year and this year, yeah. we spend so much time in the house. If there's mold around, wow, that definitely can uh, impact us much worse than before. Yeah, you know, what's crazy is uh, I think we've never really looked at air quality as a big major component to our health. Think about it. Just so you know the statistic, the average person takes about 20,000 breaths per day. So that's 20,000 opportunities to inhale something that could potentially make us sick. This is why something like COVID, who, you know, as we all know, has been this uh, invisible, you know, killer, if you will. Uh, mold is very similar in that regard because mold is actually microscopic. So just like a virus is microscopic, it can impact the body without us really being aware of it. Yeah, when you talk about the mental fogness and the um, fatigue, I know when I treat people with insomnia or other sleep disorders, that's also their common complaints. I actually have guests on my show before as patients suffering from some kind of um, sleep disorders. They actually identify those as their primary symptoms. So there's a huge overlap. How can people tell whether, you know, I'm not sleeping well is because my environment, my air quality, or because allergy, is there something wrong with me, or is my home environment? You know, that's a great question. There's actually a couple of different things you can do. One, I would say, do a walkthrough around your place, open up closets, uh, check out your HVAC room or where your hot water heater is. Usually you have like this utility room, if you will. And, and just use your eyes first. Look for those like brown coffee stains they almost look like. I don't know if you ever worked in an office building. You look up at a, at a ceiling tile. You see like, you're like, huh, how did that coffee stain get there, right? Well, that's actually a sign of water intrusion, right? So I think typically you need water intrusion first before the opportunity for mold to grow presents itself. So when you start noticing those signs of water intrusion by those brown coffee looking stains, that's really indicative of a, of a water intrusion problem that could accompany mold growth. Another thing is the sense of smell. So if you are suddenly smelling like a musty or damp odor, again, that's usually indicative of a, of a water intrusion problem. And that could be the start of, of a, an issue or an opportunity for mold to grow is present. And the final trick that I have for you that I, that I really love because it creates this good visual uh, perspective is go right now, put this episode on pause, go over to your toilet tank, open up the toilet tank cover, flip it over and look to see if you see any signs of mold growing on the underside of the toilet tank or inside the toilet tank. 
And that's a really good sign that you have mold somewhere growing in your place at a high velocity that allows the, the mold spore that's getting airborne to fall inside that toilet tank and have that opportunity for mold to grow. Especially if you have a toilet that you don't flush often, you're gonna have that stagnant water sitting there. And if you have mold somewhere else growing inside your home, it, it's often enough, it'll start to grow inside the toilet tank. Wow. I, I think after our recording, I will start checking all my <laughs> toilet tank immediately. <laughs> wow. So I really love that. That's great, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love the three tips you gave, so clear. So simple to do. You just look. Yeah, very smell, simple. Now you check a certain place that we never thought of checking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if we find something, right? We find some suspicion, like we are suspicious, or oh, the smell is a little weird. Uh, I'm not sure this this stain is 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 something dangerous. Should I worry about it? What's the next step? Okay, so then the next step is once you think that you may have mold, you definitely want to call in a professional. Just like if you were sick, you'd go to a doctor for help to figure out what's wrong. You want to get a professional. They're called mold inspectors. You can find them on Google. You type in your zip code. And, and you know what's interesting is just like finding a good doctor can be difficult, finding a good mold inspector or a good mold team can be difficult too. One of the first questions you want to ask to kind of vet this mold inspector is, hey, how long do you think it's going to take for you to do this inspection? If they say they're going to be in and out in 20 to 30 minutes, they're probably not thorough enough for you. You want someone that's really going to walk around and do a big diagnosis. If, you, if you've ever been in, in part of a home sale where you get like a home inspection right before you buy a house, it's that type of inspection. You want it to be hours long, very thorough, checking every nook and cranny and making sure that any signs of water damage are uncovered because you can't, you can't remediate halfway. You have to find the sources, get rid of the sources, and that's the only way you're going to improve the air quality. Well, I remember I used to watch those TV shows about house flipping, right? Sometimes you have to tear mm. off walls in order to find the hidden mode. So for us, if we are yes. living in the house, then how a professional team can, can cover those without tearing everything apart? Well, that's a great question. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to tear the house apart. It depends on what, what the history of the home where the water damage occurred and how extensive it is. Now, if you have like a small problem where you had a leak on one wall in one room, it's fairly easy for them to remediate while you live in the house. Because what they're gonna do is they're gonna set up engineering controls, which consists of plastic containment. They basically build a room inside the room to keep the mold inside the work area. And they'll also use what's called negative air machines or air scrubbers. And what they'll do is they'll put that room under negative pressure. And so negative pressure is like, if you ever walked in, uh, if you ever walked into an office where like you swung the door open and the door like swings open and you almost fall in, that's negative pressure. You're being pulled in as you open the door to the building. So with negative pressure inside this little work zone, what it does, it makes sure that as they're removing the mold, it's, it's negatively drawing into their equipment and not escaping into other parts of the room. Again, making it uh, susceptible for you to impact your body. Wow. So sounds like it's definitely something need a professional team and a good professional team, like you mentioned. They're going to do the inspection for you and then they're going to figure out and treat the problem for you, kind of like a good doctor team. So sounds like 
just by ourselves. If we, we suspect something, if we are not sure, we just buy air purifier, right? It won't really help much. That's right. So buying an air purifier when you have mold is kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a cut that needs stitches, okay? So it's not going to be effective at solving the problem. Unfortunately, remediation is really what's required. Having an air purifier is great because it's, you know, just like we purify our water, purifying our air is a good idea. But using an air purifier instead of remediation is probably not going to be effective. And here's why. So I want to give this analogy, which I think will really kind of open up your mind. When you, when you look at mold, you should look at it as, as you look at a weed. You know, weeds, they have roots, they grow into the soil, right? And they produce seeds that get into the air. And when they find moist areas of soil, those seeds get more weeds, right? Mold is very similar. It's a living organism. It has roots called hyphae. The roots grow into building materials. And that's very important. What happens if you chop off a weed at the stem, right? It just grows right back because the roots are still in the soil. We know that when we want to remove a root, we, uh, a weed, we have to pull it by the roots, right? Mold is, very, is the exact same way. So what happens is, and I'm sure somebody somewhere can think of this scenario, but if you have mold growing, let's say, on a wall, and you take a rag and you take some bleach and you're wiping the mold off the wall, what happens? It starts coming right back, you know, and a day or two later, and, and it's right back and you're sitting there scratching your head. It's because you haven't removed the actual root. The only way to remove the root in this case would be to actually physically remove the drywall. At that point, you have to remove it. You want to do it under, again, those engineering controls I talked about. You want to throw the wall away at that point. Then you want to clean it with a, a disinfectant and remove it properly from the structure, right? That's step one. Then we have this other component, and I think this is why uh, I've gotten a lot of attention on the subject is because what happens to all those seeds that have been produced while the mold was in the wall? And I think that's something that my industry as a mold remediator has really missed the mark on. Uh, we, we know that we can remove the wall, right? We've, we've all seen those stories or those flips where they come in, they put these tents up, they remove the wall, and that's great. But as we mentioned, we have those seeds that have now spread throughout the house. They get into the HVAC system. The HVAC system circulates around. And we've never really before kind of zoomed in on that and said, hey, what do we do about these seeds? And so one of the methods that I created is this cleaning approach that helps remove all of those spores from the environment and, you know, handles the contamination that was often neglected before. Yeah, I totally agree. Sounds like if, if they grow and spread like that, just tear off a wall may not solve the really root problem. So this method right. you create, uh, is that like widely used by a lot of mold remediator right now? You know, it's, it's definitely being used more and more by more remediation companies. They're starting to, you know, wake up. There's MSQ-PCR technology that people are adapting more and more. And MSQ-PCR technology is basically the technology that tests the dust in the home. And what that can do is it can tell you what species of molds are present and how much. And that's really important because... When I mentioned that cleaning process, that cleaning process is designed to remove all those species of mold that have been circulating around the house. So by doing that and then using the technology to test it, you're able to see. And so I don't know if they're using my exact process, 
but they're using their own uh, rendition of that by doing this robust cleaning program. And so they're, everybody's kind of now starting to head in that direction, which is amazing. That's what we need as a society to really pay attention to mold and do the right way, the remediation. Wow, that's good to know. Yeah, the more you talk about, the more I'm thinking about why I see so many patients clinically, they cannot sleep well because the allergies, because all the other symptoms, a lot of that is when they are sleeping, they are breathing. And if the, the mold is in the air, it's not fully cleaned out, and they may keep on having this breathing problem, this sleep problem, no matter how much medication they're taking, since that's, you know, they possibly don't get the right um, reason behind it. it it's because they're, they're, they're still exposed to it. So they're going out, they're getting medication, but then they're going back home and sleeping in the same environment that they're exposing themselves to that particulate. And you, you know, you know what allergies are? All allergies are is your body's adverse reaction to a foreign substance entering the body, right? And that can be allergies to food, allergies to pet dander, right? We all have different allergies uh, based upon those foreign substances that enter the body. With air quality, it's, it's very interesting because it's not just mold. I talk a lot about mold because I think it's one of the biggest things that needs more awareness but there's other particulate in the air. Have you, have you ever sat by a window and a ray of sunshine passes your view and you start to see like all these particles that are in the air, like these tiny little particles, you're breathing that in, you know, every breath you take, that's all coming into the body. So that's kind of how allergies start. And there's very, very small particles. And then there's larger particles. The, the biggest danger that I see with mold, and it's, it's really the particle size. So mold is typically between two and four micrometers in, in, in size, okay? And if you go on the American Lung Association website or EPA or CDC even, it'll tell you that anything smaller than 10 micrometers, the real danger is it's so small that it passes right past the respiratory tract and immediately enters the bloodstream. So, you know, you're, you're immediately going passing, you know, self-defense mechanisms that the body has, and it's going straight into the bloodstream you're immediately having to go into this immune response, right? And, and, and try to detoxify that out. And so, you know, certain people are going to detoxify better than others. Wow. That, that's just making it sounds like more and more important for us to do the right thing. So, <laughs> yes. I, so you're, I'm curious, your team does evaluation and the remediation, right? No, unfortunately, no. It, it, it mainly because... Well, first off, in some states, it's illegal and it's, it should be illegal everywhere, but it's kind of a conflict of interest, right? So the person doing the diagnosis and the person, you know, doing the remediation should be separate because you need that checks and balances, mainly because we're dealing with something that's microscopic, right? We can't see it. If let's say I'm doing the remediation, it'd be very easy for me to pass my own work, right? Because I did the remediation. I know where I remediated and I can test right in that area to say, all right, yeah, we know this area is clean. But you want that third party checks and balance to say, yes, that area may be clean, but I'm concerned about this area over here. And so it gives you this really uh, unbiased opinion of what's happening and, and a report that'll tell you if more work is needed or not. So I think it's super important to, to have that separate. But I have a ton of free resources on my website. Um, you can... It, it can tell you where, based upon where you're located, 
who's a good mold inspector that we know of in the area that can help you out, um, which I think is key because it's so hard to find a good inspector these days or, or a good contractor for that matter. Yes, definitely. I'm so happy you have all those uh, great resources on your website. Just like finding a healthcare provider, sometimes we have a referral list with providers we trust, we have collaborated with, or at least we heard good things about. And then that way I feel more confident to uh, introduce them to people whoever are seeking help. So it sounds like you've been building up quite a great database about that. Yeah, especially because, you know, what I'm what I'm doing is is kind of revolutionary in the sense. I mean, it's the technology has been there forever. But what I think I've been good at is connecting the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, taking the, the data from the American Lung Association saying, OK, mold can impact this because of the size of the particle getting into the body. Then you have the studies based upon mold, how to test for it. And you kind of take that and combine and, and create a, a better remediation plan. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, and, and hopefully soon we can roll out certifications and licensing for other companies to train other companies how to do it. And uh, I also have a, uh, a foundation that I am trying to launch this year that'll help remediate for families that can't afford it. And so, you know, I, I'm really doing everything I can to get this out there to really help people and, uh, you know, creating awareness that there is a problem and a need for change is really the first step. Wow. It's amazing that you're helping families who can not afford it. I don't know how much it costs, but I heard other people complain before that when they find a mold, they feel like it's a big financial burden for them to hire professionals to really uh, checking it out is expensive, I think, and uh, really start working on that is also not cheap. You're right. And it's luckily there's home insurance and there's usually a situation, not in all cases, but in some cases where a pipe leaked or something happened that was covered by the insurance company. Just like if you have health insurance, right? Certain times based upon what happened or what's going on, you're covered for certain health insurance, right? It's kind of the same. And just I'm sure in your field too, not everything is covered by health insurance. It's same with us. Not everything is covered by home insurance, but at least it helps out. And yes, you're right. It could be a financial burden, but you know, the other problem is, is that if you're constantly putting yourself in a position where you can't, you don't have an environment where you can heal in, that also creates a financial burden, you know? So it's, unfortunately, sometimes it's like, let me get over this hurdle and at least have a place I can heal, right? So that I can get back to work. Right. Think about financial stress versus health consequences. I think, uh, you know, if we, we weigh the short-term gain and lose and the long-term gain loss and it's kind of clear, we, we don't want to put ourselves in such a dangerous uh, situation if there are a lot of mold in the home environment. Sounds like based on what you told me, that sounds quite challenging and dangerous, could be potentially harmful for us. You know what else, um, real quick, is uh, what I'm thinking is it, it also gets a lot cheaper if we all do our part, right? And what I mean by that is uh, think about this scenario. You live in a house. You do everything you can to maintain it. You're not really aware of any mold, but then you put it up, to, you put it up for sale, right? And you didn't, you didn't check because we're programmed to just think, my house is great. The home inspector will find a problem, right? And so we end up 
sometimes selling somebody a moldy home and they move into the home and they get sick. And now they're, they're experiencing this financial burden. So if we all know as a consumer, hey, when you're buying a house, check for mold. When you're selling a house, check for mold. If real estate agents are telling people to check for mold, if we have a water damage event and we know to do remediation the right way, right? Now, you know, exponentially, our homes are going to be kept up better. And, and these situations will be far and few between. But it takes, again, it takes that awareness. If all of us are aware to do better, we will. Wow, yeah. That's such a good point that we all team, team up and each stage people, if just like you mentioned, if more and more people have this awareness, then start looking for it, right? So I'm curious, when we buy and sell home, does home inspection, do they check mold at all? Well, uh, so the, the home inspection to get a, to become licensed to do a home inspection, I believe it's somewhere like a 200 page uh, document that you have to read through and then pass a test. From what I understand out of those 200 pages, only a page or two talk about mold. So the other thing is contractors, right? To become a licensed contractor, you do not need to be educated on mold. To become a builder, you do not need to become educated on mold. It's a problem that becomes full circle. If we, as a consumer, are more educated on mold, if we make our builders become educated to build houses on mold, if we make our contractors become educated on mold, again, now when they're renovating a bathroom, for instance, they're not going to build back over mold. Now, I had a client once that I, I, after I came in to inspect the house to create an estimate for how much it was going to cost to remediate, they had just put in a brand new kitchen. So if their contractor was educated on mold and saw it, he could have called me in before he put all this material in. So now we had to disassemble a brand new kitchen to remediate. It's just knowledge really solves everything. And right now we just, we aren't educated on mold, you know, enough to really protect ourselves. Right. Yeah. I remember when I look at the home inspection document, I don't remember I saw anything specifically about mold. When you talk about your field in general, just make me, remind me of my field, like I was trained in clinical psychology, but throughout the training, very extensive training for like seven years, there's zero hours of sleep training. And then I know for medical school is similarly, they can become medical doctors with only maybe one or two or several hours of training focused on sleep. So it's, it's like you can, you know, do a lot of work, but without this knowledge, there, there's some loose end in the process. And it's like that pretty much throughout almost every industry that should be educated on mold almost isn't. Even for my industry who does the work, right? There's a three-day class that you take to become a a licensed mold contractor. Three days, and now all of a sudden, you can start working on people's homes. And I'll tell you, I learn new things every day, and I've been doing it for almost a decade. Every single day, I'm learning new things. This is always evolving and adapting just like medicine is, right? And so how can you call yourself a professional after three days of listening to a lecture? You you can't, you know, you need the proper training. So I think there's so much that needs to happen. You know, if we're aware to ask the right questions, if I'm a consumer, you know, and I know someone that's been in business for, you know, just a month, I may not say, you know, I don't know if I want this person to work in my house 
especially something that can impact my health. So I think if we're more aware as a society that mold is a problem, um, and, and I'm not trying to put a stigma on mold, just to be clear, I think if you're buying a house and there's mold present, um, as long as you have the report and you understand what needs to be done, and you know you have a person that you can trust to do it the right way, I say go buy the house. You know, I wouldn't have it stop you from, from moving on with your life. I just think that if we're all educated, we can make the problem less severe. Mm, definitely. To kind of prevent that first and then caught it, uh, catch it the problem early enough, not like you have to tear down a new kitchen in order to do the work. Right. So I know, uh, I think you wrote a book on this topic, right? Yeah. So I wrote a book. It's called The Mold Medic. And basically the reason I wrote it is um, I realized I wasn't going to solve this problem one house at a time. You know, I would get calls as a remediator to come help a family in need. And I was working, you know, one house at a time. I finished one house and move on to the next house. And so I realized the only way that I can really help make change is to get the information out there. So I spent a year, um, I, I really took the time to document uh, as much as I possibly could to anytime I ran into a scenario and I'm like, okay, people need to know about this, I would write it down. And after about a year of journaling, I, I finally started to sit down and write the book. Now, the biggest challenge with mold is it's a scientific subject, right? It's microbiology. That can be a very complex and complicated subject for someone to just pick up and read a book. So when I wrote this book, I wanted it to be simple. I do a lot of storytelling in there and a lot of examples, and I wrote it in very simple layman's terms. There's really not a complicated subject in there. I break down the different species, especially the ones that are known to cause the most harm. Uh, so you can, if you do suspect you have mold and you do a test, you can open up my book and look at the species that you have and see what they're known to cause as far as health, health effects. And, you know, you can kind of make decisions from there on how you want to handle it. I just feel like we needed a guidebook to understand that not all mold testing is the same, not all mold remediation is the same, and that there is something that can be done about it. And so I, I wrote that book. Oh, great. Sounds like a very easy uh, guideline for people to search the information they yeah. need and give people some hope that oh, this can be figured out, this can be um, helped out. So I will put your book to our show note. And what is your website? Your website, you mentioned there are a lot of great resources on there as well. Yes, I have two websites. So for the book, it's themoldmedic.com. Go on there, check out the book, and, and you can go ahead and order it right on that website. The second website is allamericanrestoration.com. That website is amazing because it's our service-based company that does the remediation. And I have so many free resources on there. You know, how to file an insurance claim, what to do with an insurance claim. Should you get a public adjuster, for instance, when you have an insurance claim? The history of mold, the health effects that are known, uh, symptoms of mold, uh, you know, how to find a good person, what are the questions you would ask? I mean, there's a ton of free, really good resources on there that if you think you have mold, this can kind of help you uh, steer you in the right direction. Wonderful. Wow. That sounds like very intense, great, helpful information there. Because just as you describe it, I'm thinking if I have this problem in my house, all those sounds like exactly the things I need 
guidance, right? Especially if I never had this problem before, first time ever, where to get started, how to build insurance. Without you telling me, I did not even think about home insurance may cover this. Yeah, that's right. And I bet you're going to check your toilet tank too, right? Uh-huh. Right after I, I <laughs> hit the button. Great, Michael. Thank you very much for all this wonderful information to our um, audience, our listeners. I think everyone listening to this, people hear a lot of, you know, sleep science, sleep knowledge, but rarely we think about our environment. When we think about sleep environment, we think about the comfortable pillow, comfortable bed, but the air quality is something I feel like got missed so much. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're trying to sleep and you're, you know, when you sleep, you take usually deeper breaths, right? Mm -hmm. And when those deeper breaths that you're taking contain a lot of particulate, you know, from mold and other uh, you know, things that occur in our environment, that could be a, a big problem. Wow. Great. So I'm going to start from my own place to <laughs> get it yes. figure out. <laughs> Thank you and again. If you need help, you contact me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about that. Your service. Do you serve a certain area or you serve across the country? Across the country. Yeah, we, we travel all across the country helping people in need. Wonderful. So if anyone needs to seek your company's service, they can just go to your website. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be happy to help. Great. Thank you so much for all this wonderful information and those tips for people to do self-check and they can go to your website, find the next step. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Shi, for having me. I learned so much from today's guest, Michael Rubino, and hopefully you do too. If you need mold-related service, please feel free to find his website and contact him and his team. I will put all his information on the show note at deepintosleep.co. Thank you for listening. I will see you in two weeks. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.